0: China is shaping up as one of the few economic bright spots in what we know is going to be a difficult year for the Australian and the global economy. And while the IMF predicted that the end of China's COVID zero policy would boost global growth, the pace of the rebound has taken some economists by surprise. Jared Berg is the senior international economist with NAB and joins us on Breakfast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. The prediction was that growth in China um, in the first quarter of this year would be disrupted by COVID, but what's actually happened?
1: Well, we're getting anecdotal evidence that suggests that there's going to be less disruption over the course of the whole quarter, Um, and it largely reflects the fact that COVID spread so rapidly across December and early January, really having um, a more rapid disruption than we would have expected. And as a result, we're now getting into a position where post-China's new year, things are looking a bit more positive that China's getting back to some sort of normal conditions. You
0: just mentioned uh, that it's largely anecdotal at this stage. Um, Increased subway traffic and a jump in purchasing orders, for instance. Is that enough to say the worst of COVID is behind China?
1: Well, things like those subway measures and congestion on China's roads are pretty good indicators of um, economic activity when people feel safe enough to get out of their homes and and return to businesses and shops and things like that, um, it does point to things um, really improving quite rapidly. And those were very weak across December when COVID was at its worst.
0: China is forecasting 6.5% GDP growth this year, its strongest figures since the pandemic. How reliable do you think those forecasts are?
1: Uh, look everyone has a degree of skepticism about the uh, the numbers that china puts out but we are expecting a pretty strong number to come this year um, in part that's just down to the fact that last year was so weak and so you tend to get a bit of a bigger rebound as a result of that um, but you know we do expect to see things like consumption pick up a little bit as consumers return to to normal conditions um, and you uh, and just generally things looking a little bit more positive uh, across a, a range of China's sectors this year.
0: So what does this economic growth in China mean for Australia's economy? What are the consequences for us?
1: Well, potentially it means stronger demand for a range of our exports. And there's been a huge number of sectors that have been really negatively impacted over the last couple of years. Um, you know, from the industrial side, coal is probably the big one that people think of uh, immediately, but things like um Chinese students being able to come to Australia um, and Chinese tourists, both of which had been huge sectors um, prior to the pandemic, um, see a real uh, strong opportunity for return. And right down the range of exports, there are smaller sectors in agriculture and things like this that um, could benefit particularly if we see the diplomatic relationships between China and Australia continue to improve.
0: Yeah, well, we're all obviously that's the great hope, and we've seen renewed interest from China in Australian coal that speculation going on that the ban could be lifted even within weeks. What, what? Let's just talk, okay, let's just assume that will happen. It's sort of best case scenario. What would a full easing of trade sanctions mean for us?
1: Well, it would see, um, you know, the potential for improved um, export growth, which would, you know, provide a bit of a boost for uh, our economy, you know, at a time, as you noted, that, you know, the range of, Um, indicators for the domestic economy are looking a little bit weaker. Um, You know, the impact of tightening monetary policy, for example. Um, So this would provide a bit of a boost for our economy where, you know, parts of the domestic economy are looking to struggle this year.
0: The reopening of China and Chinese ports in particular should bring down shipping costs, but China is also the world's biggest consumer of oil. What will the rebound mean for inflation?
1: Yeah, globally, that's the classic um, economist uh, answer. Of I suppose it depends. One hand, on and on, on the other hand, it could uh, look uh, look like it's going to be um, a little bit worse. So it's it's hard to say with any great degree of confidence. But um, China being you know the world's factory, you'd expect that we continue to see um, those supply chains sort of uh, improving and, and having a deflationary effect um for you know a range of consumer products for example uh, but as you know you know energy markets are looking a little bit tighter um, china's overall energy consumption contracted last year particularly for things like oil and that is likely to increase quite strongly this year if you ally that to um, russia's recent announcement that um, uh, it would cut oil production uh, there is the potential for oil prices to to continue Either move higher or to remain at you know, current high levels, um, and that could have further inflationary effects. Um, so at this stage, uh, it's it's pretty difficult to point to exactly what this means for the the overall picture for inflation.
0: Mm. We are obviously in a pretty precarious position at the moment. Rising interest rates dom- domestically, uh, at the same time trying to you know uh, f- manage this inflation dragon, as some people have described it. Does this this bright spot, as it's been described from China, provide a kind of soft landing exit point? Given we are so reliant on the Chinese economy,
1: yeah, we are very reliant on China, and I think it, it does provide a bit of a, a positive story in the near term. When I think a lot of the other economic news have been looking a little bit grim over recent months, um, so there is there is that potential for um, you know a little bit more positivity, and. You know potentially it does the, the supply chains could be the big story um, kind of to help bring uh, inflation back under control from an Australian perspective.
0: How, uh, of course, supply chains have been key to the to why we're seeing inflation at these rates. Um, at the same time obviously, we we know that the RBA is operating it with mo- its monetary policy strategy to try and uh, essentially take money out of people's pockets so that there's not so much spending in the economy. Is the supply chain inflation uh, connection really the largest story of our inflation story?
1: Um, I mean it's it's a, such a multifaceted thing right now um, so it's it's one piece in the puzzle and um, yeah I think Yeah, it's, but how it's big one. a
0: piece in the puzzle this is this is I suppose at the heart of the question around the current monetary policy the RBA is embarking on. How big is that part of the puzzle?
1: Uh, Well, from an Australian perspective, that's outside my wheelhouse, unfortunately. But, um, you know, uh, from the global picture, it has been a huge factor over the last two years um, and really kind of probably the the largest piece uh, driving things up.
0: Jared, thank you for joining us this morning.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Jared Berg is a senior international economist with NAB and you're listening to ABCR and Breakfast.